raid of Mar-a-Lago and the hiring of 87,000 IRS agents, including the means of armed IRS agents harassing Americans, comes at a time when Americans have lost trust in these government agencies. Former FBI Special Agent Bob Hamer and former CIA agent Del Wilbur are here on the top stories. As the divide in America grows wider, do we fight, pray, or join the globalists? Dr. Alveda King will tell us how to avoid a civil war in America. And the dumb and down of America by leftism will continue until it reaches a critical mass and the nation crumbles from within. Professor Pedro Blas Gonzalez is here on the Marxist takeover of American institutions of higher learning. It's all next on Viewpoint This Sunday. the bias, the lies and deceit, and bring forth real talk from real people about real news, providing the out loud truth and capturing the essence of a new generation all in a fast-paced hour. This is Viewpoint This Sunday. Welcome to the weekend news magazine, Viewpoint This Sunday. This is Malcolm Outlaw. Well, the question I'll ask you right up front here, and actually we'll, we'll remind ourselves throughout the next hour of this question, do we fight, do we pray, or do we join the globalists? We'll cover all of those things today on Viewpoint this Sunday, my fellow Americans, and uh, Bob Hamer is here. Bob spent four years on active duty in the Marine Corps and 26 years in the FBI as a special agent. So he knows a little bit about this uh, the, the, the background, if you will. Uh, many of those years in the Bureau were undercover, posing as drug dealers, contract killers, pedophiles, international weapons dealer, and white-collar criminals. Wow, it's a hell of a lineup, isn't it? Uh, Bob received numerous uh, awards throughout his career, including the coveted FBI Director's Award for Distinguished Service and five United States Attorney Awards for Distinguished Service as well. So it's great to have Bob here. And Del Wilbur is here. He's a former CIA and Department of Defense Intelligence and Counterterrorism Officer. Uh, Del served overseas in uh, Eastern and Western Europe, Middle East, uh, and as, as a writer, contribute to America Out Loud. Great to have both of you here, Bob and Del. And Trump's lawyer uh, says that the feds took at least about a dozen boxes containing a, uh, some sensitive top secret material from the, the president's home. Now, what everybody is questioning right now is uh, a double standard or not, uh, because we see and we'll talk about that in a moment here, how other things uh, have come down. Dale, let me go to you right first here and ask you, was was this the right move based on everything you know and the evidence of where we're at right now? Was was this the right move? Did the FBI do did they do what they should have done? And the, the attorney general, did they make the right call here? You know, it, for me, it's hard. It's hard to say, really, uh, based on just what we know, what's been reported in the news. It certainly looks like, you know, things could have or should have been handled differently. But it's also hard to, to second guess or to judge law enforcement when they're conducting these types of, of uh, uh, activities because we don't know all the facts. And until everything comes out, you know, I'm going to withhold my, my opinion. Uh, again, I think it, you know, from just, you know, 
the appearance of it, it seems as though uh, it should have been handled differently. But, you know, like I said, we'll we'll have to wait and see. Right. Bob, do you have a strong sense on this? When when you first seen this story uh, with your, your your fellow patriots there and the FBI uh, with the raid here, what came to your mind? Oh, I, I was appalled. I mean, I, I was shocked that that this would have happened. Uh, I agree with Dell that we I would like to see more facts. Uh, frankly, I was disappointed when they said they were going to release the warrant. Uh, I thought they meant they were going to release the affidavit. That's that's what I want to see. I'm not so concerned about what documents uh, in terms of the actual search warrant and even the inventory of those items that were seized. I want to see what was the basis for issuing this search warrant, because it, obviously this is unprecedented. I never worked anything like this in my 26 years, but it's the affidavit that's going to tell us why they thought they had to do this at this time. And there wasn't some alternative. Now, President Trump put a message out on this that said, and I quote from from Trump now, what happened to the 30 million pages of documents taken from the White House to Chicago by Barack Obama? He refused to give them back. What's going on? This act was strongly at odds with the National Archive and records. And will they be breaking into Obama's mansion and Martha's vineyard? So what do you say? Is there a double standard here, Bob, or is there not? Well, I think it, there's certainly the appearance of impropriety that, that there is a double standard. But again, Without us knowing the facts that were set forth in the affidavit, it's, mm -hmm. it's a little hard to make that determination. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I just know that in my experience, you write the affidavit, you, you give them sufficient probable cause to the judge to issue the warrant. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, your audience knows that the FBI doesn't indict. We don't convene grand juries. We don't issue subpoenas. Mm -hmm. We don't issue search warrants or arrest warrants. Our system is set up kind of as a checks and balances. In this particular case, had I been writing the affidavit, had I been the director of the FBI, had I been the attorney general, and we were going to go forward with an affidavit, I don't want probable cause. I want proof beyond a reasonable doubt in that affidavit. I want to know precisely why we had to do this at this particular time. Yeah. Uh, if this is you and Dell. Uh, I would just say, hey, guys, let's sit down. Let's go through the boxes. Let's see mm -hmm. what you're supposed to have and what you're not supposed to have. And then let's just take it back. Yeah. Yeah. I think what has infuriated most people, Adele, is that, you know, we talk about this double standard is that they were very quick uh, by most standards. I think everybody would agree to pull the lever in this case to raid, as you say, evidence, wait for evidence. Of course, we may never know all that evidence. Remember, a lot of the stuff gets sealed for uh, the next generation when Trump is gone. They'll probably bring it out 40 years from now, which is what they tend to do in these cases. So we never really know. So we're only dealing with what we have. They're only going to tell us so much. Let's be clear. So we can sit there and wait till whatever the, the hell freezes over. We may never know. But this this whole idea of the fact that they were quick to pull the lever and go after that. And we've seen the record of how they've attacked this man uh, over the past, what, five, uh, six years uh, since he came down that escalator, of course. Uh, but yet they never pulled the lever on these other cast of characters that we talk about all the time that seem to get a pass. Do you see why that system is so warped and people are pissed off? 
Well, absolutely. And, and I mean, it, it also, you know, plays into the, uh, the narrative of the uh, traditional news media and that who, who are, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I was joking with it with a friend of mine in that, that uh, I mean, the, you know, CNN and, and all of these other uh, Democrat aligned news organizations and that uh, are literally, literally orgasmic over what's going on right now. And they're going to play this to, you know, to the hilt. I mean, they, they literally are going to run this into the ground you know, and so that's going to muddy the waters for the regular American to to really have a, an understanding of what's going on and what took place and what's all behind it. Yeah, that's perfectly said, Dale. It always comes back to the American media and how big they can screw things up. Uh, it is a one sided conversation all the time. How does this work, uh, Bob, in regards to the FBI? You have all the agents, you know, I see all the images there. They're, they're at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, they just follow orders, basically. They don't have a say in the game here. They just have to follow the orders. But yet there's a reputation here. And right now where things are not all fair and square with the FBI. Take a moment and bring, I, I really want listeners to understand how much has changed from your day in the FBI to today's FBI. What is your sense of that, please? You know, Malcolm, let, let Let's play this as just the three of us talking. Okay. And, and I, I'm, I'm going to speak from the heart, I, I guess is what I'm saying. You read my background. I had extensive undercover experience. I received some pretty nice awards from the FBI. It wasn't until I had been in 20 years that I even knew what a deputy director in the FBI was. I had no clue who the leadership was in Washington other than who the director was. I didn't know the difference between a unit and a section back at headquarters because I was out in the field. I was out on the street investigating my crimes. Right now, I, I don't even know how many FBI there are, 13,000, 14,000, 15,000. But you have a very small percentage of those agents that are working political corruption matters. The rest of them are out there working drug cartels, uh, human trafficking, international uh, weapons manufacturers and dealers. I mean, they're doing all types of other work. And now we have the media, we have the Republican Party, we have the Democrats that are lumping everybody into that one little, the entire FBI is corrupt. The, mm -hmm. you know, the agency needs to be disbanded. Yet there's a ton of work that's being done that, that the, the street agents are doing they're not really impacted by what's happening in Washington, mm. other than the fact that their reputation is being tarnished. And it's it's going to be up to the director, whether that's Ray or somebody else, mm -hmm. to to kind of bring that back to the the American public that, look, this is a worthy law enforcement agency that we need. Right. And quite frankly, we need to hit a couple home runs right now. And it's not going to be more search warrants at uh in Mar-a-Lago or, or any place like well, that. Well, uh, Bob, to your point, Bob, then, you, you know, you're talking about the leadership. You would think in, in the case of what you're saying and the, the lost trust of the last many, many years and all these shenanigans that have happened with the leadership of the FBI, which you're right, it, it, it transcends that brand throughout the organization. You would think that leadership would be super, super careful in protecting of that brand. But yet 
They don't seem to be doing that. They knew darn well by the raid on Mar-a-Lago was going to cause a, a major stink in the country, but they did it anyway. So does that, Bob, bottom line, in your opinion, based on all of that said and agreeing with what you say there, does that become political? I mean, does it appear outright, as most people think, a political move? And should the leadership have held back and not made this uh, raid happen at the time that it is? You and I and Dell, we haven't seen the affidavit, so I don't know what mm -hmm. the facts are presenting that. But I, I absolutely agree. I mean, okay. this this should have been thought through very carefully. I mean, we've talked about this a little earlier in the interview. I mean, mm -hmm. Trump, when he nominated Ray, he said that he was impeccably qualified <laughs> individual. I remember. And, and a model of integrity. Yeah. Uh, some of the things you were talking about a little earlier, I mean, you had Jeff Sessions as the attorney general. You had Bill Barr as the attorney general. James, Both those men. Remember James were, Comey as FBI director. <laughs> well, but I, I, I'm Comey, is a, for me, is a different animal. Yeah. But Sessions and Barr were nominated by the president, and, and he spoke very highly of them, and they made decisions. I, I love Bill Barr's book, One Damn Thing After Another. Yeah. And he talks about the decisions not to prosecute Comey, not to prosecute Andrew McCabe, when maybe they could have been, but he was he had a sense of integrity. And and I'm questioning the judgment of why this went forward and some alternative means couldn't have been couldn't have been worked out between adults. Well, there's a lot of conversation that they were trying to or early in the year, they got a bunch of boxes and Trump said he was working with them. But your point is, why didn't they sit down at the table and try to figure it out for the country? But we're not at that point anymore, uh, Bob, it appears in this country. It doesn't appear we're talking to each other anymore. We're talking over each other or at each other in a very abrupt way. So that probably is the reason, back to your point, which everything, let's face it, coming out of D.C. is political uh, to what degree it is. I want to play, Dell a quick um, piece here uh, from uh, Attorney General uh, Merrick Garland. Um, he, he, at a press conference just this uh, past week, he uh, explains the Mar-a-Lago and Trump. Look, no person is above the law in this country. Nothing stops us. No, I don't know how to, maybe I'll say that again. No person is above the law in this country. I can't say it any more clearly than that. There is nothing in the principles of prosecution, in any other factors which prevent us from investigating anyone, anyone who's criminally responsible uh, for, for a, 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 an attempt to undo a democratic election. So you hear Merrick Garland here, and he is, uh, no one is above the law. We hear that all the time. In fact, um, you know, it was interesting that even Pelosi came out to Dell and said, what she say here, that uh, uh, that it, it, it was justified. Her answer was that, well, it, it was justified. Of course, it's justified because there's Donald Trump. But, you know, full well, Dell, would she be saying it's justified if they had raided Martha's Vineyard and it was Barack Obama or justified if it was anybody else on their side? Of course, we know she wouldn't be saying it's justified. Everybody throws their country under the bus for the sake of their political party and ideology. It's pretty sick. What do you say to these comments that no one is above? Do, do, do you think they really believe that? 
No, and and if you think back, uh, uh, and I'm trying to remember exactly when, when it's been several several years ago, mm-hmm. and they were talking about uh, uh, company a company's too big to fail, you know. Well, some politicians are too big to indict, and that's why Hillary Clinton was not indicted. Uh, she should have been, and and I, I think Bob would agree with me based on on my experience and and in handling and and dealing with classified information. I mean, when I got my first security clearance many many years ago, I had to I had to be briefed. I had to sign documents in that, which which uh, indicated that I understood the proper handling of classified information, uh, and that you know that I uh, would would adhere to these regulations and. And, and Hillary Clinton was, was given that same briefing and she was signed those same documents, mm-hmm. yet she chose to, to you know, uh, uh, operate uh, a private server that was unencrypted and un- unsecured and, and to discuss sensitive information over that, yet she was not prosecuted. And that why? Because she was too damn big to prosecute, too, bad, too damn big to indict. And uh, so there is a double standard, I think. And uh, right. Well, Dell, if she's too big to indict, why wasn't Donald Trump too big to indict? Well, because they don't like Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. You know, one, one thing I'd like to add, and then it's just dovetailing on to what uh, what Bob was saying and about his experience. You know, nothing ticks me off more when, than when I hear people say the FBI or the CIA. Mm-hmm. You know, the is, is a pretty broad brush that you paint. And uh you know, I I spent all of my years at the agency. I spent a total of about three weeks at headquarters. You know, that was the last place in the world I wanted to be. And there's a hell of a lot of people, just like Bob described, who are out there getting their hands dirty, mm-hmm. both with the agency and with the FBI, who who have nothing to do with any of this. And and to paint them, you know, as as part of this you know, massive conspiracy or whatever you want to call it, just right. simply is a disservice to them. These people are putting their lives on the line. Right. right. Well, Dale, what you say is true, but the bottom line, and you already know this, Amer- millions of Americans are fed up. They're fed up with this double standard. It's almost like, what kind of a threat was he? Was there some really uh, urgent threat? You know, Bob, is there some urgent, really big threat? I mean, you think about the security and why they would raid a residence of a former president, never been done in the history of our nation. Okay, well, what was the threat exactly? Was he planning some sort of a nuclear attack? Was something going on exactly? What was that, please? That's what irritates the hell out of people, you see? And it should. And we don't know Mm -hmm. why there was this necessity to do it this way without actually seeing the affidavit. What facts supported the need for this raid. Do you expect we'll see that, Bob? Do you expect we will? And when in, in our lifetime, I mean, in the next many, whatever, days, weeks, months? I think we will only see it if the American public demands to see it, see. because see. typically yeah. Yeah. the warrant, the affidavit, uh, isn't released until it goes to trial and the, the prosecution mm-hmm. releases that affidavit to the defense so they can see what was the basis for right. the right. search warrant. It's, yeah. either that, it's either that or wait till everybody's dead, <laughs> right, Tell. Yeah, well, no, I mean, you, you raise legitimate questions. The American public is raising right. legitimate right. questions. Right. The FBI, the FBI agents in the field are raising legitimate questions about what the hell is going on and what is behind all of this. I, I think there's a dangerous precedent. Look, I voted for Trump twice. I believe that that we've set a precedent now. Mm-hmm. The Republicans have usually been pretty hands off. 
when Trump came into office, you know, he backed off of Hillary. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we all remember lock her up, lock her up. Well, he backed off. And he did. Maybe that's because there wasn't probable cause, but maybe it was just for the healing of the nation. We don't want to go after this. Well, Bob, to your point, to your point, Donald Trump didn't push the lever on any of those cats. He, they all, to what I see, he could have played it really ugly, but he didn't. That does speak volumes, actually, if you're thinking exactly. about it. Exactly. You need somebody to step up mm-hmm. and say, okay, we're going to prove you that this system, there isn't a two-tiered system. Right. And now right. we're going to go after right. these, these people that have violated the law. We're going to charge Nancy Pelosi's husband with drunk driving. We're going to go after Hunter Biden. I don't know the statute of limitations. I've seen the memes where Hunter Biden applied for to to purchase a weapon, but said that he didn't have a drug problem or didn't have a criminal problem. You know, he he lied on the application. So let's go after a thousand and one U 18 USC, a thousand and one, which is a, a false statement. Let's go after these people for doing it. And go and if you're a Republican, we're going after you. If you're a Democrat, we're going after you. Well, that's the way it should be, Bob. It should be equal justice for all, uh, to be sure. I want to, in the last few months, I want to talk about this IRS and actually the Inflation Reduction Act, which I think all of you out there know now has passed uh, the, the House. And now it will be a law in our country. And what that means is, so they're investing $370 billion in the flight, a fight in uh, climate change. And a 64 billion for Obamacare, by the way. Um, and so the Democrats want the IRS to step up the audits and enforcement efforts to collect billions so they can pay for this crap. Um, and uh, so that's what this is all about. So the inflation bill would direct 80 billion smackaroos to the IRS. And most of this is chiefly at uh, the enforcement of their policies. Uh, but the key, what got a lot of attention and eyeballs, Dylan, what did you think about this? You talk about a meme. Boy, this was a meme and a half. A key requirement for applicants is that they have to be legally allowed to carry a firearm. And major duties include carry a firearm and be willing to use deadly force if necessary and be willing to be able to participate in arrests, execution of search warrants and other dangerous assignments. This was the job posting on the IRS site, which, by the way, they ended up taking down and putting back up again. And there was a lot of shenanigans there with the media. Uh, what do you think about this uh, story with the uh, budget and the IRS uh, being armed and all this nonsense, uh, Dell? Not all of those 87,000 people are going to be uh, special agents with the IRS, I'm, I'm pretty sure. And, and good luck. You know, you can't get people working McDonald's for crying out loud. <laughs> you know, I, I would be surprised if they get three or four thousand applicants instead of the 87,000 they're trying. But but IRS agents conduct uh, undercover investigations. They conduct joint investigations with the FBI, the DEA, uh, you know, they participate in, uh, in raids uh, to, to collect evidence and follow the money trail and that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob, you see about what they call bad timing. Bad timing is everything. Boy, that, that uh, uh, job posting at the IRS got massive attention all over the country. Uh, it would be safe to say that Americans have lost trust now totally in uh, not just D.C., but these government, the bureaucracy, the agencies, I don't think there's any trust left. It doesn't matter if it's just the FBI, uh, Bob, or the CIA, or the IRS, or Homeland Security, or the mosquito control. I just don't think there's any trust left. We're at each other's throats. What do you say about this IRS ruling and the armed agents? I worked with a couple IRS agents that were outstanding individuals, outstanding uh, law enforcement officers. And yes, they carried a gun because of 
the type of work we were doing. We were working gangs. We were working terrorism. And they were working right beside us. And I wanted them to have a gun because if we got into a shootout, I didn't want them poking somebody with a number two pencil. Uh, I, I don't want my auditor coming to my audit with a gun. And uh, so I, I'm not sure that the 87,000 include the auditors that they have to be hiring. So I, it, you're right in terms of the optics. It doesn't it doesn't look that good. No, it doesn't look good at all. And uh, the fact that, uh, you know, we're, we're not getting any truth. We don't get the right story. And then we see more of this buildup of big government, uh, which is totally, totally out of control. I think all Americans can see that. Uh, well, uh, great, great discussion here with Dell Wilbur and uh, Bob Hamer. I uh, really appreciate these guys being on here. Up next here, Alveda King will be on. Always love to have her perspective. And, and the question I will continue to ask you, do we fight? Do we pray? Or do we just say, what the hell, we'll join the globalists. Uh, stay right there, friends. More Viewpoint this Sunday in just a moment. The America Out Loud talk radio app is on Android or Apple. It's the perfect way to listen in to the new generation of talk shows and hosts who are ready to inform and inspire. Well, from my own personal experience, I can share with you that there's nothing more important than your health. And there are four things you can do to keep your family safe. Uh, listen up to these four things. Take Immune Super Boost from a healthy cell. It's a microgel, as all their products are. Use Cofix RX or Clear Nasal Hygiene and clean the air around you completely with HOCL and the Genesis Fogger. Oh, and the fourth is to turn off all the threatening, scary headlines in the media. That's right, exactly. Now, if you go back to AmericaOutloud.com, right there on the front page and on every post page as well, you'll see America Out Loud sponsored partnerships. It, right there, you'll see those messages from those strategic partnerships of ours. And you wanna click those and get the information, the scientific findings and background. There's a lot of good stuff there, man. Um, Healthy Cell, our listeners get 20% off that product line so you can get Immune Super Boost. Use the code out loud, 20% off all those products. Cofix RX, 20% off of that. Use the code out loud. These are just for America Out Loud listeners now. And also uh, the Genesis HOCL, you'll actually be able to get 15% off that fogger. Uh, which is a tremendous savings. Uh, and then you get the HOCL and you'll be amazed at what those products can do to help you stay safe and healthy and your family and loved ones as well. As the divide in America grows wider, do we fight, pray, or join the globalists? Dr. Alveda King will tell us how to avoid a civil war in America. It's next on Viewpoint this Sunday. Welcome back to Viewpoint this Sunday. It is Malcolm Out Loud here. Yours truly, always a privilege to be with you, my fellow Americans. Thank you for joining the program. It's so good to be back with you again after last week being off with COVID 2.0. And man, I'll tell you what, that thing just gets you, doesn't it? Uh, anyways, it, it, it surely got me with high fevers and I was down and out for about a week. Uh, so I apologize for missing you last week, but uh, just thrilled to be back here with you. 
Uh, up next, I, a dear friend of mine and uh, just a terrific person, Evangelist Alvita King. And I love saying that, Evangel. You don't get to say that a lot, Alvita, you know? Evangelist Alvita King, right? <laughs> Dr. Alvita King. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. She's the founder of Speak for Life, uh, fighting for the sanctity and dignity of all life from the womb to the tomb. She's the daughter of the late uh, slain civil rights activist, Reverend A.D. King. And the niece, of course, of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, speakforlife.org is that site. Get a lot of information there. Let's let's go right to uh, you. Send out a very powerful newsletter all the time. I always get uh, points of view you have in there, and you talk about well, you quote Martin Luther King in there. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. You talk about you're being saddened at the mockery of our leaders, everything from the unprecedented invasion of Donald Trump's home to the insensitive mocking of President Joe Biden for falling off a bike as evidence of a nation in need of prayer. Now, I love that statement because you wrapped both the left and the right ideologies in there and the fact that right now we are at each other's throat, it appears in this country. You actually even reference a civil war. Give us a sense of... Uh, well, started with Mar-a-Lago and Trump, and uh, and this point of the bike. What do you what do you make of all this, Alvita? Interestingly enough, and I had a small gathering at my home last night, and most of the people who were there were on the left. A lot of my family members, and they were saying certainly unkind things about Republicans in the right. And I said, well, I'm really not going to respond and come back at you and have you examine your own position and the folks on your side. I said, however, <laughs> you're sitting up there talking about people that I happen to know, love, admire, and talk to, but I'm not going to give you the same. I said, for instance, when President Biden fell off of that bicycle, everybody's laughing and I'm looking at his own staff. They're sitting up there looking at him, ooh, ooh. you know, his old people who work with him, sometimes his own security. So I said, that is really, he's a leader whether we agree with him or not. I said, now, President Donald John Trump did a great service to this country, but you guys always look for every opportunity to make him look bad. The Bible says, and this is really true, I'm paraphrasing the scripture, and it says, do not laugh at your enemy. God will get mad with you and wow. help your enemy. That is in the Bible. You have to look it up and get the proper uh, version of it, mm -hmm. but that's exactly in the Bible. So wow. that's where I was coming from with that particular point. We are supposed to pray for our leaders and authority that we can have a peaceful life, regardless. That doesn't mean we vote for somebody whose policies are wrong. Vote according to policies, to values, to the, for the candidate is, who is closest to what you believe in. But we have got to stop this division. We must. Yeah, that reference to the uh, point of the Bible with that statement about the enemies is very powerful and makes me think, of course, because a lot of our Christian conservative friends uh, do the direct opposite of that. Uh, and mm -hmm. it is a great reminder in our country, Alveda, for us to um, uh, just be a little more understanding. But the, the problem is, let me let me drill down now a little bit with you, because this would be a really good conversation uh, if we can um, bring a couple of these points home. And the problem is... And like you just said, you were very respectful with your family. And, and I, I could see that. I mean, you're not a confrontational person and you would be that way. Um, but yet the other, the left, the side, the the, the left and, and the severe left, the, the Marxist left, and we know they're all over the place. Um, absolutely they're right not, 
Yeah, they're not kind like that, Delvita. They continue to hammer it home and they come after you. And yet the right typically acquiesces and say, well, OK, and they get and But the, the left, they just keep pushing and pushing this Marxist agenda in our country. How much is too much? You know, it, let me say to you first. And it, it, here's the thing. I label today's program, by the way, listen to this, and I'd like you to answer this here, but do we fight? Do we pray? Or do we join the globalists? We fight, we pray, we do both. I'm reminded of David. When David, with Goliath was out there threatening and doing all of that, and everybody was, oh, find some armor, we are scared, they're going to get us. And David goes out and says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? So I don't cow down, or I'm not cowardly. And when I stop, I say, wait a minute, let me just say this to you. And I'll look right in their face. Let's go back to policy. You fight with the policy, not the personality. And my goddaughter, Angela Stanton King, happened to be there last night, too. Mm -hmm. And she says, well, you know, you're talking about a particular race in Georgia, and that's uh, Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock. She says, if Warnock wins, he's going to offer more abortions and more transgender surgery and all that. If Herschel wins, at least we can go into his office and sit down and talk about the community and ask for something that's going to help us live and not die. Mm -hmm. Now, when she said that, that was nothing else for them to say. You mean that stopped the conversation in its tracks? Just saying. And and it did. Uh, And so because Warnock says he's a pro-choice, he's a pro-abortion pastor. Yeah. So it's very obvious what he's going to offer you if he wins. And yeah. so when she said yeah. that, it really did stop the conversation. So you fight back with facts. You fight back with policy. Mm-hmm. You fight back with the word of God girding, undergirding you and holding you up, yeah. but not in hate. You know, we're not, I said, look, I'm not even angry with you, but what are you saying? Mm-hmm. And I'm, it's easy to ask those kinds of questions. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Warnock, Warnock is a Marxist. I mean, we know where his policies are and what he's doing. But the point of abortion is very accurate. And your niece, of course, is a, is a conservative, correct? My goddaughter. She's my goddaughter. Goddaughter is a, is a conservative. And she is a conservative. She's a radical conservative. She's all for the people. She's out on the streets. But she just, she's very practical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's always policy-minded. She's very direct. Mm -hmm. And she'll say she's for the people. She'll say, what are you going to do for me, for my children, my community that will help us live and not die? You just said something very interesting in reference to her. You said she's very practical in the way she thinks. But then you also said she was a radical conservative. Now, that's interesting because is that what and listen, is that almost a unicorn now that as conservatives and patriots fighting for our country? Uh, that love our country, love our constitution, love God. We we know we're a Christian nation. Are we now the radical ones? The young conservatives, especially, are bold, radical. They are armed with truth and facts, <laughs> and that's what it takes. Now, we did find some radical conservatives in Virginia. Parents who said, wait a minute, COVID was here. We got a chance to see what you're telling our children. We're not buying it. And they took that response to the polls as well. So what we're finding across America right now, especially in the move of the parents, is to let different kinds of voices to these school boards and to some of these other seats. So those are radical and daring moves. But I have to emphasize, we must have our facts. We must examine the policy. You know I'm over at America First Policy Institute. 
and we are studying and examining the policies and then we're rolling up our sleeves and taking the policies to the people. Yes. All right. I, I want to ask you something very important. You said in your newsletter to America, I am convinced that we need a miracle to avoid civil war in America. After more than half my life in the ministry and studying the gospel, I'm confident that miracles come when we stop and pray. My question to you, Alveda King, is do you believe we are headed to a major confrontation in this country? I believe we can avoid a major confrontation. Malcolm, that confrontation has been bubbling for a while, yeah. simmering, and that's with the yeah. riots, the violence, the race baiting. Now, every time we answer those attacks with prayer, we are getting breakthroughs. So there I'm back to Douglas. Pray on your knees and then get up and act. So everybody says, you quote Douglas lately more than you quote your uncle Martin Luther King Jr. I quote both of them. Martin Luther King Jr. said that we must peacefully protest. However, my biggest example is Jesus Christ and following the leanings and teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ, who also was very radical. He had faith, hope, and love, and that was his message, but he delivered it boldly. So to avoid civil war in America, we have to stop the race baiting. We have to stop the assault on our children, especially the hypersexualization. Mm -hmm. We have to go state by state now and deal with these abortion issues that are still coming. Right. And we have to still resist at the federal level efforts from the current administration yeah. to try to undo the damage that they had from Roe v. Wade being overturned. Yeah, which we talked about recently. Uh, I want to ask you, you know, it, it's you're an interesting case study because like all of us, we always have people we love uh, that are uh, have their political persuasion on the left, their ideology. How do we, yeah. you know, co coming into these next couple of elections, Alvita, which you know darn well as much as I know, these are very vital key elections coming up that will that will determine the, the course of our country, the, the chart we move forward with. They are vital, vital elections, 22 and 24, and moving right forward from there, it's going to determine an awful lot about who we are as a nation. How do we convince more of those people, like the people in that room with your family, and I have them as well, people we love, uh, but frankly, that can be a real pain in the ass sometimes. So how do we get to those people? What we have to do is to answer with policy like we did last night. And when we point to all of those policies and we can say what we won with President Trump, what we have lost now under the current administrations, and I don't mean just the presidential administration. You've got Congress, governors, uh, school boards, commissioners, counties, mayors, all of those elections. We must go and bring these facts and give the policy solutions in our discussions without losing it to our emotions. So when we go in with policy rather than emotions, mm -hmm. With genuine facts, speaking the truth in love, we can actually win every time. Yeah. Uh, last point here. Our political ideologies seem to be so firm on the left and the right in this country. Why We seem to be bendable in a lot of other things in our lives. Why are politics, uh, first of all, they're toxic, they're hostile. You see how people Absolutely. are. And, yeah, I mean, it's terrible, uh, but everything is political, whether we like it or not. And you, you're either involved in it or it'll get involved in you. Why are people so less willing to bend those uh, political toxic policies? And they're almost willing to go down with the it's, it's kind of sick, isn't it? 
We have to actually practice what I practice myself. For instance, you notice I'll always say ethnic community, not race. We're one blood. We're one race. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. have to practice and then begin to implement that. So I say, regardless of your political party, do you want gas to, gas prices to go down? Do you believe that human beings should be respected and regarded human dignity, whether they're in the womb or out, all the way through life into eternity? So we begin to put these policies economically. Wouldn't you like to see an opportunity for everybody to be able to live and be fed and not punished? So when we begin to bring those policies to the discussion without the emotional upheaval and insist on not deterring from it ourselves, then others will follow. Amen to that. Alveda King, always love to have your, your voice and your, your words of wisdom. Uh, you know, it's such an important message for the country. Um, thank you, as always, for joining us on Viewpoint this Sunday on America Out Loud Talk Radio. And have a beautiful Sunday. Happy Sunday, everybody. Thank you, Malcolm. It is uh, Dr. Evangelist Alveda King. Always a great message and I really appreciate her here on Viewpoint this Sunday. Well, we'll continue this theme. Really very special uh, segment coming up next year, which I want you to hear. Dr. Pedro Blas Gonzalez, really one of my favorites. Uh, and you'll see that in just moments here with that question. Do we fight, pray, or join the globalists? He has a lot to say about it. We'll see you on the other side here. You're listening to Viewpoint this Sunday. We are the vision of the voices. You can email us at talk at americaoutloud.com. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day. Yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. All right, you've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the pulvidone iodine-based nasal spray Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the Cofix RX banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20%. By using promo code OUTLOUD. Currently, there exists an allegiance between millionaire and billionaire elites, administrative state bureaucrats, tech oligarchs, old guard communists, postmodern latte drinking hipsters, academic useful idiots, aberrant sex and gender Marxists, Marxist greens, and a slew of other opportunist sociopaths. <laughs> Quite a statement, my fellow Americans. And uh, well, if you read uh, the op-ed, the Marxist takeover of American institutions of higher learning, you would know that Dr. Pedro Blas Gonzalez uh, said that. And he is here with us now. He's the professor of philosophy at Barry University, Miami Shores, Florida. Uh, his book is in the America Outlawed bookstore. By the way, if you haven't noticed, it's been totally revamped. 
The bookstore is killing it, selling a lot of books there. Uh, that link is right on the nav bar back at AmericaOutloud.com. You can get that. Uh, his book, Philosophical Perspective on Cinema, outstanding. And uh, as all his writings are, uh, Dr. Pedro Blas Gonzalez, welcome to Viewpoint this Sunday. Thank you for having me, Malcolm. Let's discuss some, uh, hopefully, some very interesting ideas. Right. Well, here it is here. The the title of this program today is, the, and I, I told Elvita this, and I told the FBI this today, and I'll, I'll tell you again, is do we fight, do we pray, or do we join the globalists? That That is the question of today's viewpoint. So, so let's let's go on this this point you say here. I've been talking a lot in past days and weeks here, uh, frankly, about the globalists and the alignment of. And it's funny, your essay was so timely uh, for me and for our listeners because we're talking a lot about the alignment of the globalists into our institutions here in America, and it's more than just higher learning institutions. Uh, it's it's everything. I mean, it, it seems to be they've aligned with the political class. Sure, surely the heads of these uh, government agencies. Uh, you asked the question, which is a terrific question. I wonder if you might have some sort of an answer for it. How long will this convenient allegiance last, this alignment of globalists all the way through American institutions, do you think? Yes, I, I think um, this is an interesting question because I, I, I listen to a lot of pundits, of people that come on TV and they're good people. They know what they're saying, but they concentrate constantly on Democrats and Republicans and that kind of things. <laughs> and and I, I don't take that angle because I go further than that, or I should say before that, and really is about the human condition and how people view reality. How long can this last? Well, we've seen from history that there is no way that all these factions uh, can coexist. Ironically, they think they can, but they can't. They're using each other and depending on what the dominant structure of that globalist end game is they they will eliminate uh some of the other groups no doubt about it and they'll do the infighting so in the essay my question is how much of the infighting results in complete ouster of some of the factions or because they're you know they're all made in the same fabric how much do they just say listen forget that i'd rather be in with my groups than against the the or, or with the others, the outsiders. That's an interesting question. You know, in, in Cuba, for example, we know that Fidel eliminated all kinds of um, Castro, all kinds of people like Camilo Sinfuego. You know about with stock, uh, 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 Trotsky, what happens to him. All of these people were eliminated little by little, but they were useful at that time. So when I hear these pundits and they're constantly talking about just the globalists, but what I think people need to understand is that the structure behind whether they're globalists and opportunists, maybe even market capitalists like the China model, the, the corporatists, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's about control and power. So it's all Marxist inspired, uh, theoretically. And so all of the groups come in together and you know, with the sex and all that, you know that in a totalitarian society, the the aberrations with the sex and stuff going on without putting it politely, they're not going to make it. They're not going to make it. They're going to be ousted. And we know that. But they don't seem to understand that. That's one of the casualties, for example, of this power structure to be or the fact that, that the globalists are undermining all these other systems. So why a lot of people are on the ground fighting left and right, uh, Republican, Democrat, you're, you're very accurate, is the talking point of the uh, talking heads and the analysts and what have you. Uh, 
I, I guess what we're really saying, and I, I ask you back, really, in a way, aren't these people just being useful idiots at the moment? Yes, yes, I think so. Because what happens is even, even the, the traditional conservatives are showing a one-dimension thinking. Yeah, yeah. So to answer your questions at the start, you had three questions. We, we definitely want, do not want to become globalists, but we definitely fight and then you pray. So really what happens here is you have to understand the alleged progressive moral, moral psychological traits. What's behind all this? What's behind all this is a, a structure of thinking that negates human reality. We've mentioned this before, you and I in the show and in some essays, but it is true. So human reality basically for them sucks. Most of these people are atheists, agnostics at best. They don't have a fighting chance. So reality is the enemy. It's that old saying that they, and they believe it, that life is trying to kill them. Okay. So who are these people? And then the question is, what did they do for a life? Reality is, that they are these messianic people of the here and now. So all of these people are trying to politicize human life. And that's actually my next essay that I'm going mm. to uh, wow. submit to you. It's, it's a politicization of human life. Remember, human life is pre-political. People could give a you know cat's rear about being political. They don't. They want to cut their lawn and they want to educate their kids and get old and take care of their loved ones. They don't. It's it's these abrasive, I call them psychopaths because really they are. Why? Because they have to have control over people. And they found out that the social political arena is the place that you have the most control and do the most damage. And so the biggest crime you can, you can show these social political psychopaths or sociopaths is that you are apolitical. They can't have that. They can't stand that. You know, you really get me thinking there. And what a great point to remind everybody. Think about this, friends out there. Uh, when Professor says, um, you know, the uh, atheist and agnostic. Now, I, I got thinking about that as you were just uh, saying it. And I'm thinking about the people who are continually trying to tear us down. And, you know, you never see people out there who are doing this, bring their Christianity forward or Christians or people that are faith based uh, to any magnitude. You don't see them, the ones that are tearing the fabric of our country apart or that are doing uh, many of the misgivings that are happening today ever. So what we're really dealing with, uh, it, it, I mean, everybody's got to see it now, is really, truly always the the. The big fight I talk to you about out there all the time, the fight of good and evil. This is a fight of good and evil. And I think when you lay out the Marxists in the way you do, Professor there, uh, I think it's perfectly reminds me that, yeah, it's not the Christian folks that are doing that anywhere or any believers to any magnitude are the ones tearing the fabric apart. It is the uh, the barbaric evil uh, at its worst. These are the people, the, call them what you want, but they are globalists, they are Marxists, and they are after power only. That's something we have to buy into, isn't it? Yes, it's something that we have to pay attention to and kind of educate people and at least get them to think about that. Remember, success in life or failure in life is all based on your attitude towards life. That's a basic reality or condition of reality. It's a worldview. The, the, the question here is about worldview, what the Germans call the Weltanschauung. Okay, so if your worldview is that you live and you die and then you go into a hole in the ground and that's that, you're open to a lot of violence and a lot of just exploitation of human beings. And here comes the second point I want to make. The, the, the propaganda machine and disinformation machine of Marxism literally has to go next now. It's the idea that human life is 
cheap, it's, it's banal, and we have to change the opinion of people because after all, they believe that people don't understand you know, left from right or up from down. So therefore, here comes this disinformation machine that does tremendous violence to human reality and uh, the worldview, which is what I'm talking about. And here's where people have to understand now you're being drawn into the sociopolitical nihilism of if you do not become a sociopolitical monster or beast, your life is not worth it, which is completely against what real life is about. So here comes the, the left manipulating that and people buying into it. So you have two sets or two, two stages. The first stage is the manipulators behind it. And then the average person out there that basically gets tired and follows true. If you ask the average Joe out there, where do you get your morals from? It used to be from family life. It used to be from believe in God, again, a worldview, an understanding, a kind of stoic understanding of what life is and it's not. But today, you don't have that. So where did you get it from? You get it from the pundits and you get it from the disinformation campaign. And you realize, my God, we're so much, you know, subjugated to propaganda that it's pitiful. It's like little kids, you know, being told what to do. But because the other side of that is free will, and that takes a tremendous work. So back to your Christians and, and your believers, the worldview needs to be put out there. And that's where the fight is, at least that in the moral sense of it. We're seeing a lot of this fight uh, in, in healthcare and the medical. And you, pull, you point that out very carefully in the essay, uh, the Association of American Medical uh, Colleges, the AAMC. Uh, and these folks administer what's called the Medical College Admission Test. Uh, this represents 171 um, uh, medical schools, friends, in uh, North America here, U.S. and Canada. Uh, and uh, they're basically, they're responsible for creating the standards. Uh, these are the higher standards of excellence that we would all know about. Uh, today, as you say, the AAMC standards are those of radical ideologues, social justice operatives of cultural and moral obfuscation. Uh, doctors and medical school students cannot hide their horror. This is kind of front and center right now in our news because of COVID and all that's transpired there and the evil that has played out there. Um, speak about that a moment, the AAMC and where we're going wrong in this higher learning right now. The same problem we're talking about, it's a worldview. Uh, they understand that the world of the law, the world of medicine, and the world of education are where you get people and, and you get them sitting down and you control them. It used to be that there were liberals, there were communists in the world, there were fascists in the world, and you had an argument with, with, with them. And some people would agree and some would disagree. Some would even change their mind because they heard reason. They, they heard rhyme and reason. This is not the case. These people now, this abrasive Marxist understanding is we will dominate them. We will give them, a, what is it, the, 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 the boot in the face. And that's how we're going to do it. How are we going to do it? We're going to go do it to the places that educate them. So they come out of there completely dry clean in the way that we want them to be. So this is a cynicism that basically justifies the, the, the people who are taking over law schools and, and medical school. It's a cynicism that basically says, let's do to them, in this case will be the deplorables and all the others, mm -hmm. what they're going to do to us anyway. What's the difference between that and a con control of human beings? So you're going to the, the law schools and the medical schools and people are paying lots of money for that. And they're saying you're going to come out of here, you know, radicalized because medicine is about organization of people. Right. It's no longer about 
what is medicine? I mean, the, the Hippocratic Oath and all that. So you're bringing people out that are more interested in revolution and this sort of thing than in health and so on. I, I have a friend that has a daughter in medical school and she's, she's, she's horrified. She's about 28 and she's horrified what they're doing. They're basically saying, because you're a privileged person, you don't get medicine the way that the other people should. That's exactly what Marxism, socialism has done throughout the Soviet Union, China, Cuba, Venezuela, all of the socialized countries. It's precisely what they're doing. People need to open their eyes to what they're doing here. America's collapse, though, on your point is, let's remind everybody, is not just another country collapsing. I mean, I think people realize that the collapse of America really throws the world into a total, total chaos. We become a third world planet. No, no doubt about it. In, in, in America is the big jewel. No doubt about it. They've, they've been after this big jewel after World War II. We know that. Everything from infiltrating the State Department in 46 or so, we knew that. By the 15th, you see McCarthy was absolutely right. No doubt about that. That's another topic. And then the 60s and 70s, you see they're basically in your face, and now they've taken the mask off. There's no doubt about it. Think about changing reality with the hammer, something like Frederick Nietzsche would say. Think about this just this week, this governor of New York, she doesn't want to, she's a bill to get rid of the word inmates and, 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 you know, and call it incarcerated persons. What does that do for crime in New York City that's exploded? And what does that do for human reality? Does crime stop? It doesn't. So people who understand this understand that they are now being violated. The state has become the enemy. They're being violated. If you see the crimes figures in places like Chicago, New York City, they're absolutely completely unnecessary. Who's, who's perpetrating that? The people that literally want a revolt. Uh, you always make us think, uh, Professor. Always appreciate you uh, and your because your thoughts. It's important we wake people up so that they're not unsuspecting anymore and they really understand what's taking place. Because there's time to turn this all around. That's the that's the good news. But so, but we've got to do it. And by the way, your answer on that profound question of today's show: Do we fight, pray, or join the globalists? Was exactly what Alvita said. We we fight and we pray, but we do not join the globalists. Uh, I think all listeners can appreciate that. Thank you, Professor, for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's always a, a, a good idea, this exchanging ideas. I'm all for being wrong. If I'm wrong, I will correct it. Uh, can the left do that? I don't know. It takes a big man to do that. Uh, what a terrific program, friends. It hardly gets any better than this uh, for Viewpoint this Sunday. Uh, be sure this is our number one news magazine and program on the network. Be sure to tell your friends about it and join in to this great conversation here. Uh, plays every Sunday, 10 a.m. Uh, 6 p.m. is the encore later in the day on iHeartRadio and the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network. Goes to podcast just after three in the afternoon. Between three and four, you'll find it right at the top of AmericaOutloud.com. It's a lot going on on the platform. Join us back there and share the out loud truth. And thank you for joining me on the mission here. It's time uh, to get involved and get loud, America.